Is it possible that you are doing some things in your church and in the way you're leading your church that is actually working against generosity in your church? Maybe it's killing generosity. That's the claim that we're going to look at today as we look at an article called Five Overlooked Areas That Kill Your Church's Generosity. If you want to see your giving in your church increase and do better, this is a podcast that you're going to want to listen to. Let's face it, there's no way to operate your church without funds. And in most cases, there's no way to receive funds other than the donations of the good people who attend. So if you don't have that dialed in, it's going to hamper and affect the way that you're able to do ministry overall. So if we don't get generosity right, we're not gonna get anything right. Not to mention, we are wanting to help people grow in their relationship with God and generosity is one of the best ways to do that. God is a giving God, therefore we need to lead people to give to his work and his ministry. So we wanna make sure that we're not doing things that are actually working against that. So we're gonna get into all that in today's episode. If you're new here, this is the Preaching Donkey Podcast. My name is Lane, I am your humble host. I'm so thrilled and humbled that you would stop by to hang out with me today. Cannot wait to get into today's topic. But before we get started, I want to put something in your hands for free as a way to say thank you for stopping by today. If you go to preachingdonkey.com 21 days, you can pick up my free 21 day guide to creating killer sermons. This is a three week, three step process that will walk you through how to create and deliver a compelling life changing message. So whether you've been preaching for a long time and you're looking for some fresh and new ideas or you're just starting out in your preaching ministry and you're trying to find any resource you can, there's something in here for you. Go to preachingdonkey.com 21 days and pick it up there totally for free. Okay, so this is an article that originally appeared on Carrie Newhoff's website and it's actually a post by Jim Shepard. And full disclosure, it's a sponsored post on Carrie Newhoff's site for a company called Generis. I have no connection to them. I have no connection to this sponsor. I'm just reading the post. I think it's really good. So if you wanna go check out Generis, you can. You can go look at it on Carrie Newhoff's site. But I'm just gonna read through it, we're gonna talk about it. Churches are starting to find their way toward the next season as the worst of the pandemic seems to subside. However, as church leaders begin to navigate other new realities, we have to think through our priorities. In this season, we can't lose our passion for generosity in the church. Biblically rooted generosity and stewardship are an integral part of the disciple-making process and the foundation of mission impact and ministry growth. Here are five generosity killers we have observed in churches. Number one, no one knows your giving journey. He says, generous churches are led by generous pastors. Having watched generosity in the church for as long as we have, this is clear. And the only way your people will know about your generosity is if you share your story. This is so true. So the two things here. Number one, generous churches are led by generous pastors. I have seen this time and time and time again. You show me a church that is struggling financially and I'll show you a church with a stingy pastor. You show me a church filled with generous people giving generously and I'll show you a generous pastor giving generously. However, if you don't share, what, what they're saying here is so true. If you're a generous pastor and yet you're not sharing that generous that generosity story, how you came to be generous, how God has worked in you, how he has led you to give more, 
and to have an, more of an open-handed approach to your generosity, people aren't gonna know. Many pastors, he says, have not shared their giving stories. Or if they have, they have not shared it recently and have not and have stopped talking about it. We get it, many things fall, uh, fell by the wayside during the pan pandemic season, but what if this was a reset moment for you as a pastor? If Jesus talked about money and possessions more than any other topic, than the kingdom of God, it likely means he knew what an issue it would be for us. It was an issue then, it's an issue 2,000 plus years later. The money God has placed under our management can potentially steal our hearts. When pastors share their generosity journey and the challenges of handling money God's way, people are moved to recognize that it can be and likely is an issue for them. They see a fellow pilgrim who is making progress in this area of the Christian life. This transparency in your stewardship journey can inspire your congregation in their own journey while also furthering, furthering the normalization of the giving conversation. So, the number one thing here that we get from this is they need to know your giving journey. Does this mean that you have to tell them every time you give a large gift to the church? Does this mean you have to, as, as Jesus said, get your reward now by bragging about the giving that you did? No, it doesn't mean that. What it, what it needs to mean, what it must mean, is that you have to tell them and show them that what you're teaching about generosity is something that you also are living out. And that at some point you had to go from not giving to giving. What did that journey look like? Were you hesitant and now you give generously? Has God blessed you in the past because of your generosity? How can you show this to your church? That's a huge point. Number two, you've left your offering moment on autopilot. The offering moment is the one, one of the single best ways to teach your people about God's view of money and possessions. Every week in the worship gathering, churches have the opportunity to set the tone for their culture of giving and generosity. This is a huge point. So every week you get up and you say, we're going to take up the offering. We're going to receive the offering. Let's pray for it. This is a massive moment to set the tone for culture, a culture of giving and generosity. And yet, he says, for far too many churches, the offering moment is on autopilot and falls flat. This moment misses the focus and intentionality of the other segments in the worship service. This became especially true during the pandemic season when many churches that passed an offering plate or basket needed to stop doing so. Online giving became the normal and primary mode of giving, but it evolved into an awkward moment for churches that were accustomed to passing the plate. Okay, now what do we do? The offering moment became transactional. Here's how you can give to our church. There is nothing inherently wrong with this. Communicating ways to give is important. However, if you are only providing instructions on how, you've missed the opportunity for significant transformation in the life of the Christ follower. Take the moment to intentionally teach biblical generosity and enhance discipleship making in your church. Online giving is here to stay, so we've got to get this one right. Okay, this, this is huge. If you want to make your offering moment more effective, vary it up each week. So you could one week tell a story. Connect the giving in your church to a story of a life changed. So the way it looks is this person had this thing happen in their life. The church was there to help them. This person had a life change. The church was there to walk them through this, baptize them, disciple them. That's the story. 
And your giving makes this possible. It's a story and it's connected to giving. Maybe a stat, right? Here is how big of an impact this church and its ministries and its connected ministries are able to make. We reach this many people, this many percentage. Your giving is connected to that. So a stat, a story, or a scripture. It might be something where you just read something from the Bible that gives light, gives more light to giving, how we're supposed to give, what we're supposed to give, what giving is supposed to be like, how God loves a cheerful giver, what all that means. And so if you vary it up, sometimes it's the story, sometimes it's the stat, sometimes it's the scripture, but it's not on autopilot. It's not the same thing in the same way every week where people basically just ignore that part and get on their phones and ignore you. Let's focus on one key idea, he says, giving to versus giving from. Giving to my church versus giving from a transformed, surrendered heart. As church leaders, when we communicate with our people about giving and generosity, the conversation tends to revolve around giving to the church, give to our ongoing ministries, give to our next building project. This is all well and good, but what if we framed it differently, he says. Don't misread this. We're not saying to ignore the perspective of giving to, rather we're emphasizing the perspective of giving from. What if we emphasized that giving and generosity are the outgrowth of a transformed, surrendered heart? This shift can take our disciple making to another level. When Christ followers can get the money and possessions part of their journey right, it is a significant maturity step for a Christian. So I like this. There's this there's this shift from communicating that you're just giving to the church. You're giving from a place of a transformed, surrendered heart. It's much better. Andy Stanley likes to change it from you're giving to a church to you're giving through a church right? The church is going to do some amazing things with this money. So don't think of it as if you're giving to the church, you're giving through the church and its ministries are going to bless the community provided that you actually do. Number three, your quarterly giving statements lack intentionality. The quarterly giving statement is a highly recommended two for one in giver communication strategy. It is an excellent opportunity to celebrate ministry impact, right? We baptized X amount of people. We sent this many people on mission trips. We had this high attendance Sunday. We had this many people accept Jesus. And two, it's a quarterly reminder to your giver of their contributions thus far. Most major church management systems can easily produce a report. However, those auto-generated giving statements can be sterile. While you can send CMS-produced statement, as we suggest you resist that temptation, and instead take the opportunity to cast vision and communicate the impact your church is having in your community and beyond. So I used to do quarterly giving statements when I was an executive pastor, and we did what they're saying to do. We would print what you've given so far this quarter on one side of the page so you have all that for your records, although you only have to do that once a year for tax purposes. But this was a reminder to people that, hey, this is what you've given this quarter, right? This is what you've given year to date. On the other side of that was a letter from the lead pastor that was saying, hey, here's the way God has used your generosity to move and work in this church. And we wanted people to see that, to connect their giving to generosity. So what they're saying is, don't just generate a report and mail it out. That's not going to mean much. You want to connect it to giving. Oftentimes, givers miss hearing the stories of life change happening in and through the church. Let your givers know that their gifts make that possible. Keep them from wondering where their giving is going. This is very important. 
Instead, bring them into the celebration of how God is moving within your ministry, community, and beyond. People cannot be reminded too many times about how their giving is impacting lives. Use photos from recent community outreach events, student camps, drawings from your kids' ministry, renderings of that new facility, anything that can show them how their generosity makes ministry possible. Number four, you're ignoring your first-time givers. When a person gives for the first time, it is not a small action for them. In many cases, when you see the first gift, it may not be the first gift to your church. They may have made a few anonymous cash gifts, but now they are giving in a way that allows you to know who they are. This is a perfect time to let them know how much you appreciate the gift. Send them a note. It doesn't have to be an elaborate communication. It's a moment for you to thank them and let them know how much the church appreciates their gifts. One of the things that we did at my previous church is we would actually have the lead pastor send a, a handwritten note to every first time giver, made a huge impact on people. And there's ways to make sure that that is an automated system where he just gets a list of names and how, you know, how, that, that they gave on Sunday. And he could say, hey, dear so-and-so family, really appreciate your first gift. God's gonna use it in a huge way you know, uh, love you, all that kind of thing. Our tendency is to think that people don't want to be recognized when they make their first gift to your church. But the reason is that people really appreciate it. The reality is people really appreciate it. They want to be thanked and recognized. It sends the message that you see them and are not taking them for granted. Another great time to connect with and recognize first-time guests is during the offering moment. Here are two ways. Regularly invite attendees to begin their generosity journey. It's simply as saying, if you have not started your giving journey, today could be the day. Be sure you have your team available to talk through any questions. And every couple of months, share how many people gave for the first time last month. Something like, this morning as you give, I wanna thank the 17 people who gave last month for the first time to our church, right? You get everybody to clap. That's really cool. It, it signals to people, oh, it's normal to begin to give here. It's normal to maybe have not given before, but to start now. That's a normal thing. You're normalizing generosity. And then number five, the fifth way that we kill generosity is you don't look at your data. Churches generally have a good grasp on two financial stats, how much was given and how much was spent. But many of those same churches overlook significant opportunities by diving deeper into their giving data. These metrics are important markers in the life of your church. Your decisions may be more anecdotal than data-driven, but not regularly do, going under the hood and getting a complete picture of your church's financial reality. However, when you periodically review your data and have clarity around giving trends and cash flow, you can make a game plan for your ministry with confidence. So very, very important thing to do is not just look at your profit and loss statement, but really look at when are people giving the most? When are people giving the least? What are the trends we're seeing? And how is this going to help us plan better for the future? Most importantly, giving issues are pastoral issues. If we believe our giving to God is a spiritual matter and not a financial one, then the giving data tells us much about the spiritual lives of our people. It will uncover what is happening in the lives of your church community, creating pastoral care opportunities. People who are flourishing in their giving tend to be thriving in other areas of life. Let's come alongside them and celebrate that. The reverse is often true as well. When the data suggests someone is struggling in their giving, see that as a signal for pastoral care. Check in with them, see how things are going, pray for them, encourage them, and help them with their giving journey when needed. There is a multitude of reasons why giving patterns change. Don't miss the moment to show up for your givers and connect with them. 
Pay attention to your data, begin to measure what matters in your church and use data to help you make better decisions and deeper connections. So let's review where we have been. The first one is no one knows your giving journey. That's gonna kill your generosity if they don't know how you have given. Also, if you let your offering moment Get on autopilot, that's not good either. Make it unique, make it intentional. Your quarterly giving statements lack intentionality. Make sure you're connecting giving to what God is doing in the church. Number four, you're ignoring, ignoring your first time givers. A massive opportunity to encourage people to give by celebrating first time givers. And then you're not looking at your data. You, you wanna look at your data and you wanna look at the right kind of data. So I guess my question for you would be, what are one or two of these things that you can begin to work on to increase generosity. When it comes to communication, right, normally we talk about preaching here, so much of this is part of what you communicate in your messages, the kind of vision behind your church. So if you're connecting all the time in your sermons, what God is doing to the fact that people have been generous, it begins to tie those two things together in people's minds so that they say, oh, because we give, this church is able to do these really cool things in the community and around the world. So maybe that means I should give, right? So those are the kind of things that I think are really helpful in this. Again, you can check this out at Carrie Newhoff's site. And if you want to check more out about Generis, go check them out. I am anxious and ready to hear what you have to say about this. I know giving is one of those things that can be touchy. It's hard to teach about it. I've taught about it many times. It's hard to hear someone teach about it. I want to know what you think. I want to know. What, I want to hear what you think in the comments below. If you're watching on YouTube, let me know your thoughts. If you're listening on one of the podcast players, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to leave me a five-star review so people can hear about this podcast and it can benefit more pastors. Until next time, remember, if God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through you and he can speak through me. We'll see you next time here at the Preaching Donkey Podcast. Thank you.